Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Ek Woman podcast. Our mission is to share stories of diaspora women who have fought the odds and achieved success. Their inspiring journeys can be a catalyst, galvanizing women to follow their dreams. Our guest today is Dakshima Haputantri, former attorney in Sri Lanka and now a social worker in Calgary. Eight women interviewed Dakshima during peak pandemic and we decided to leave in some relevant references. Dakshima's story is unique because she identifies as lesbian and as a victim of profiling is now keen to give back by supporting and helping others like her find their voice. She's a motivational speaker and works closely with Mount Royal University, University of Calgary and non-profits. Dakshima believes your sexuality should not matter. What's important is your happiness. Let's speak with her about overcoming her trauma to become a guiding light for queer South Asians. Hi Dakshima, welcome to our podcast. Hello Monica, pleasure to be here. When did you first realize you are different from your peers and how did Calgary become home for you? Yeah, it's a long story. When I was young, I didn't feel I fit in to the societal norms of what a girl should be in South Asian context. Usually, I think what we believe in so much of patriarchal society, we think girls should get a good education, then get married and have kids and then grandkids and so on and so forth. Uh, my parents are lovely. Uh, they are very uh, forward-thinking, uh, liberal, but they live in this community and society that these norms and values are sort of embedded in. So I felt I was different when I was very young. When other girls were playing with uh, dolls, I played cricket with boys. You know uh, how South Asians love their crickets. I knew I was different. I felt at ease with boys. Boys don't gossip. They are very open and different to girls at that age. Uh, no bullying or things like that. It was a really different experience for me as a child. When I grew up, it uh, multiplied in different ways. The feeling I had after figuring out that I need to be in a safer place to be myself. I decided to uh, immigrate to a Western country. I uh, knew that you can uh, go as a refugee or any other ways, but I came as a permanent resident. I did not disclose my sexuality in any way, shape or form because I had to come out of Sri Lanka. I can't just say it out loud who I was. According to the Penal Code of Sri Lanka, still being homosexual is a criminal offense. So I didn't want to take any chances in finding safety. So I came as a permanent resident to Canada. That was 2016. Calgary was a random choice. How is it that somebody who didn't play with dolls and wanted to play with cricket balls realized that she's gay? Did you have any relationships in Sri Lanka that made you realize that this is the situation? Did your parents know about it? How did you convince them to let you immigrate? 
Yeah, I had a couple of relationships in Sri Lanka. I didn't ask for it, it just happened. And then I realized, okay, this felt right to me. I never had a boyfriend in my life. Okay, this makes sense to me now. There was one commonality between all those relationships. Those girls left me, every one of them, because for them, it might have been some sort of experiment. A couple of relationships I had in both in school and university didn't end well. They both married men. There was constant melancholy and loneliness uh, circling around my life. At one point, I attempted to take my own life, which didn't succeed. The last relationship I had with a Sri Lankan uh, woman was the reason I decided if I want to be with that person, I needed to go out of this country. And as I said, my parents were lovely people. They always thought I, I had a sense to figure out what's good for me, what's best for me. I studied law and um, I have a bachelor's degree. I have a postgraduate diploma in criminal and criminal justice. I practiced as a lawyer for six and a half years. In Sri Lankan context and South Asian context, I think I'm accomplished. I belong to the middle class of Sri Lankan society. I have a good education, good parents. So they hated the fact that I had to leave them, especially my mother was heartbroken, but they thought it could be good for her. There's a lot of opportunities. They very reluctantly let me go. Do you have any siblings? I have one sibling. She's younger to me. She's a doctor in Sri Lanka. So you didn't leave your parents completely alone? Yes. But I'm the eldest and I'm the apple in their eyes, I would say, and they had high expectations for me. How were those first days in Calgary? Was it difficult or just as a queer woman, leave aside being an immigrant? That was 2016, uh, July 6th. That's the day I landed in Calgary. I remember it rained a lot. I was like, it's fine. I can't handle rain. But it was totally different atmosphere, totally different people. You are on your own. You had to figure your life out. There's not enough support. And being queer... I was not out at that time and I didn't trust anybody. I didn't feel safe. I went to a couple of immigrant serving agencies in Calgary to ask like what sort of supports are out there. I did my Google search and all that. Uh, but I always made sure that I keep it to myself about my sexuality because I don't know who these people are. They might report back home. Anything is possible. So I was basically keeping a low profile. The first winter was very hard. I tried to find work, but in Canada, they asked for five years experience. I just landed to Canada. I don't have five years experience. And definitely I cannot do law. When I went to the faculty of law in the University of Calgary, they said you had to go back to school from the start because the differences in law and all that. I was heartbroken, but I needed to keep my mind active and get some money and save some to pursue my education, whatever it may look like. So yeah, the first three years, I would say, is really tough. That was incredibly brave of you. You just walked in blind and you had to adjust to a whole new life. What was your coping mechanism? What did you do that helped you finally settle in? Honestly, I had none in the first few months. I had to figure everything out. Yeah, it was tough. But soon I realized my mental health is the most important thing. I had to really make sure that I'm taking care of myself keeping my sanity intact and taking all the precautions. Winter is hard here. Minus 30 is just the brutal, brutal thing. First year, I was just without any support. I was just flying blindly and figuring out what I really wanted to do in my life. So I came out of Faculty of Law at that time, and in front of me was Faculty of Social Work. 
And I thought, this sounds interesting because in South Asian context, I never heard of social workers. I talked to a faculty advisor and I realized this is something I used to do. I did a lot of pro bono cases when I was back home. I thought, okay, this is my calling. This is where I'm supposed to be. That's when I realized that I needed to do something for the people. I need to do social work. 2017 summer, I started my university in Calgary. And how was that experience? It was a totally different experience because back home, although I did three degrees, it was all about regurgitating. In a Canadian context, it's all about reflecting, thinking critically, make you feel really you are in line with those things and you are understanding the concepts. I really loved it. I thought this is exactly where I'm supposed to be in my life. I really enjoyed the courses, the support I got from the faculty. It felt like, okay, I'm fitting into this place quite nicely. And all this time, you still haven't told anybody you're queer. What gave you the courage to finally come out? Is that when you told your parents? So this is a long story as well. In 2017 summer, I was in a class. There was one trans person and they came and talked not about their experience or something, something totally different. I felt, okay, this is the right time for me to just say it out loud. I had butterflies in my stomach. I felt like something's about to happen. I came out in class and people congratulated me. They hugged me and I felt, okay, this is good. I had the support of a very nice professor in the uh, Faculty of Social Work. Uh, her name is Dr. Lisa Lorenzetti. She's the first person I came out in Canada. And this was her class. I felt that I am safe in a way because I never thought that these students would go out and spread the word. I felt a bit relieved. That's the beginning of really embracing my true self. Then I came out to my mother after a couple of months. And uh, I remember she cried for months. I'm sure she suspected because I'm saying no to all the marriage proposals, but I don't think she wanted to believe that. That's such a shame and stigma. I don't think she wanted to accept that this is who her eldest daughter is. It was tough. I had to tell her that, okay, this is who I was yesterday and nothing has changed. I'm the same person. It took months and months and months of convincing and talking to her. I think on hindsight, I think she was grieving for me. My past self, it's almost like it died and I was reborn. I understand she feared for my safety. She loves me. She wanted to have grandbabies. Like any South Asian mother, it's, it's no exception. Then I came out to my father even later. He was very upset. I think I broke his heart. We were like thick as thieves, me and my father. We are so close. We are like two best friends. I think he was so closed after that. He didn't want to talk about that. Our relationship broke down. I still talk to him. I, I still love him. There's nothing changed from my side. But in his mind, I think he's still failing to convince himself that it's okay. You still haven't managed to convince him? Maybe he has. I'm going back and I'm meeting him face to face. After coming out, last time I went, I couldn't really talk about it. This time I have to convince him or tell my side of the story either way. I have nothing to prove to anybody anymore. This isn't the first time you're going back to Sri Lanka since you left. Second time. But last time I didn't have enough quiet time with him. But they knew about it. They, they were aware. Definitely. And they didn't talk about it. My mother asked because I have a partner now. She was asking about my partner. She was sending gifts for my partner. My mother loves me more than anything. I think she's just moved past that point. But for my father, it's the shame and guilt and all these things around that, I think. 
you mentioned that being gay and homosexual is illegal still in Sri Lanka. It was even like that in India. They've just overturned that archaic British rule, I think, a couple of years ago. So you can understand your father, but hopefully over time he'll be able to accept it. You mentioned you have a partner. Is this that Sri Lankan woman who you were trying to have a relationship with? Sadly, no. I broke up with her after the first year. It's just so hard, long distance, and there's no way of getting her here and there's so many complications it was affecting my mental health very badly so I ended that relationship and I was focusing on my studies it was traumatizing so many changes I moved to a different country my relationship broke down I couldn't practice law I had to go back to school and I was going crazy it's a funny story so in early 2017 I don't know whether you have watched Orange is the New Black on Netflix. So I started watching that. And I really realized there's no doubt I'm a lesbian. Then I started the Instagram page talking about issues that women face and all that. And there was this girl from the United Kingdom who was talking to me. This main character in that show, Laura Prepon, we all thought she is a queer woman. She got engaged to a man in real life, Ben Foster. So the whole fandom was like going wild. Not in a good way. They hated it. I put a post. I'm saying, if you want to talk about it, if this is affecting you so much, just drop a line. We'll chat. I'm totally the same way. And this girl from the United Kingdom said, yeah, I won't talk about it. I'm not happy about this. She was very kind, loving person. She was a good friend for a couple of years. She was the one who was very much concerned about my mental health. We used to talk over the phone. I used to work graveyard shifts and come home and then go to university. She made sure that I was home and safe. Finally, 2018, I felt that it's enough. I'm actually in love with this person. That's when we expressed love to each other, which was like unrequited for almost two years. That's when uh, I decided to tell my mother because I thought nobody deserved to be footnote in somebody's story. If I love somebody, I won't say it out loud to the world. She's from the UK and she's here with me. We've been married for three years. That's amazing. That's such a beautiful story. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. What was work for you at that time? I was working at a convenience store doing graveyard shifts because uh, when you work night shifts, uh, you get like 40 hours a week without any problem. The money was necessary for me and I didn't have time to go and work on, during daytime. I was going to university and doing my assignments and things like that. When you left for Canada, did you ever think that your lawyering days were behind you? I had my doubts, but I had a good feeling. I'm sure I can figure something out. It was a bit tough because I loved working as a lawyer, safeguarding people's rights. Who are poor and vulnerable in our countries, they don't know much about law. They believe that lawyers have such power to change their lives, especially doing so much pro bono work. I've seen decisions that change people's lives. So I miss that. But I guess everything happens for a reason. You can't have everything in your lives. Do you still work at a convenience store or is work different now? Work is different because I graduated as a social worker. It was really difficult even after graduation because many jobs ask for two, three years experience as a social worker or 
human services field, which I didn't have. But uh, one of the immigrant serving agencies was asking for a program facilitator, which I applied. And amongst, I believe, three, four thousand people, me and a couple of other people were selected. We had four interviews. So yeah, my convenience store days are over, thankfully. What does your work entail when you work with immigrant services as a social worker? I work as a youth program facilitator with immigrant youth between the ages of 12 to 20 from different countries in the world. Permanent residents, conventional refugees, they come here. I came as an adult and it was really difficult for me to integrate and figure out the system. So as program facilitators, what we do is we support them in their integration and help them figure out Calgary and Canada. I think it's a great service because I wish somebody was there for me when I was going through those things that I can trust. I would appreciate somebody looking out for me. So I think it's a great. And when you talk about looking out for somebody, how do you as a queer immigrant give back and pay forward within your own community of say South Asian queer women? When I came to Canada and Calgary, I had troubles coming out because uh, there were queer organizations for LGBTQ2S+. They were mostly mainstream and I didn't feel comfortable talking to them. They didn't look like me. They didn't speak like me. I felt, would they really understand my intersectionality? Creating safety was my number one priority. That's my life mission. So, A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I launched a website. www.dilipani.com. Uh, Dilipani means lighted lamp. Dilipani also happens to be my middle name. When I came to Canada, I didn't have that support system, that guiding light to say, you know, everything's going to be fine. Uh, you are in a safer place now. I hear you. I see you. I'm here for you. I didn't want Anything else, I wanted somebody to say that you are fine as you are. Uh, that's why I created that website supporting many immigrants and non-immigrant people who are coming out and also bridging that gap between them and their families because mm-hmm. I went through that with my parents. I'm still going through that and I know how difficult it is for South Asian and immigrant parents to realize that this is the same person, this is the same daughter, son, nothing has changed. So Mm -hmm. I'm acting as a mediator and supporting them as well. Do you have any examples of immigrant queer people who you've helped and how you've helped them? Yeah, definitely. A couple of people I helped. uh, Religion was a huge thing for them. 
I had to sit down with the parents and uh, talk to them and say, I'm not a Christian or Catholic person, but I'm, I'm a Buddhist by religion. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure God doesn't want you to neglect your daughter. God wants everybody to love each other. I had to go through that whole explanation of what love is. And that's all we can give each other, love and compassion and kindness. And that's what God or higher power or universal power it want us to give each other. That was pretty tough, uh, sort of trying to persuade the parents. In a couple of situations, it went well. A couple of situations, it did not. I can't change people's attitudes. I can tell them what I believe, what is out there. It's up to them to say, okay, I accept or I don't. I have met a couple of people who have come out and who's living their lives to the fullest as a queer people, women and men both. But still, a lot of them are in their closets. I have met a man. He came to Canada with his daughter and wife and he came out to them. He's in one of the volunteer organizations that I volunteer and I haven't really spoken to him about it. I gave my contact details. If you ever need somebody to talk to, please reach out because I want to give him his space to figure it out himself. You have to come out to yourself first. Otherwise, it's difficult. Unless and until you are sure about it, I can't push people to do things. Everybody's timeline is different. I'm giving support to people ongoing. When you say support, is it just talking to people? Is it visiting them at their homes and trying to talk to their parents? In my website, the first session is like free. You can talk to me and ask what sort of support you would like. And then we decide whether it's a three months time or every week we talk to each other. Support is different to different people. There's no one size fit all in my support. It could be any of the things you have said. So far, I've met them in person and talk over the phone. I haven't visited their homes, but um, if it is something they would like, I'm more than happy to support them. Would you say that the biggest thing that connects everybody in terms of accepting this is the concept of shame and the concept of what will society say or are there other reasons why people will not accept their children being gay i would say yes and expectations they have for their children is a huge thing and they have to start from scratch people have to change their expectation change their way of thinking Can you share one story with us, taking us through what the problem was, how you had that person and where that person is now? I can talk about one of the youth. She's from a different country. Then she moved to a different country because of the war. Then she came here. She had to do high school in all these countries, which was frustrating. And so many things are happening in her home. One day she called me and she was like panicking. And I felt that this is not really right. Uh, she was saying, I don't want to live like this. I felt, okay, this is a suicidal sort of trigger here. I just took an Uber five minutes. I went and met her where she is. I said, stay where you are. I'm going to come now. And I talked to her for hours. And I talked to her and talked to her. Talked to her. We wrote down the options that she has, what sort of things that she can do. We wrote down the problems. Then she can see, okay, these are the problems. These are things I can do. So it took like the whole day. But at the end of the day, she's still alive and well. She still talks to me and she considers me as one of those safe people. And for me, that's the biggest win, I guess. 
have you helped any person who's uh, gay come out and then get into a relationship and even get married or anything like that i helped this person uh, she's a queer woman identified as a lesbian uh, she was uh, running away from abusive relationship uh, with a man took her time to figure out who she really want to be in her life i was able to support uh, her with physical safety first then we sat down and uh, talk about the plan she needed mental health support it took some time that was even before i was doing my work now she has a girlfriend and they moved in together so i'm on her phone list to talk in case of emergency and i'm like i'm very proud of you you are the decision maker in your life i'm glad i could support you that's so good to hear does your mom maybe even your dad know these stories what do they think is your mom proud of the fact that you're helping all these people well i didn't want to share this with them because i don't want to hurt them so they know i have website they know i support people that they don't know in depth what sort of support i'm giving them there are some podcasts and all that are on my website they can look but i just keep it to myself and my partner knows how i support i don't want to put soul to their wounds they are accepting me especially my mother i don't want to drag her into all this do you find the kind of people who reach out to you on your website are mainly south asian because you're south asian or is it all kinds of communities and cultures that reach out to you it is all kinds of communities and cultures to be honest I had a couple of Latinos so I had to get support from one of my Latino friends. I don't want to be like one size fit all. I can talk about South Asians because I'm South Asian. The problems might be similar but there would be different cultural context majorly it's South Asian people. Do you find that you fill a niche? Is there a lot of support for queer South Asian people in Calgary? I'm not too sure. I don't think so. When I was starting this I was really looking forward to fill this niche. I'm doing a lot of motivational speaking and things like that. So that sort of strengthens where I'm coming from. When I talk people listen and then contact me through my website, so that's another way of getting my support or keynote or whatever they may want from me. Dakshima, how do you think you as a person have fundamentally changed after moving to Calgary? I think although when I was in Sri Lanka I was very upfront and I had my own value systems and all that I was not my true self. I could not just go and do things because I was hiding in the closet. When I came out to my parents I didn't care what other people would say about me or think about me because I have found peace. It sort of amplified my voice and gave such strength to me and resiliency to me to really talk about what matters. and what we want in life safety kindness love providing support be that guiding light to somebody who needs me those are little things that would go a long way in this journey to discovering your true self is there any moment that stands out as one of the most uplifting moments One of the things is that when I came out in class how I was accepted when I came out some people were not very supportive and demotivating they asked me to go back home they said they'll pray for me and things like that that made me more stronger it sort of gives me the push that I want to go far in my life my marriage with my partner was uplifting moment I never thought I'll find love 
I never thought it was possible for me to settle down, have someone that is for me, not being a footnote in somebody's story. I'm writing my own story the way I want. That's awesome. Was there any time when you were so frustrated and you were just like, I'm just going to give it all up? Couple of times, especially when I graduated and didn't have a job, but I didn't have the choice of going back because my partner wouldn't come with me and that's not the life I want. After all these years of sacrificing so many things, I was frustrated. I was struggling again mentally. I had so many things to give back to the community, so many things to give to a potential employer. There was no opportunities because of the work experience or how many degrees you have. I would say now I'm settling down nicely in Calgary and in a place that I can support people. But it was not a linear journey. What was that light at the end of the tunnel that made you say, I'm going to do it, I'm going to battle through and I'm going to get out at the other end? The joy of coming out and the adrenaline rush I had after that, I thought this is the path I'm destined to be. Everything happens for a reason. I believe in higher power. I believe in the universe. I believe that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, exactly where I'm talking to the right people, supporting the right people, being with the right people. So I think that belief that this is where I'm meant to be is what moved me forward in my life. Dakshima, in the next five years, where do you see yourself? What goals do you want to achieve? Next five years, I want to do well with Dilipani, my support system, go around the world spreading this word. It's okay to be different. It's okay to not feel okay. Mental health, being queer, all these things go hand in hand, especially as South Asians. We don't talk about illness of the mind. We talk about heartaches or headaches or things like that. We go to doctors and get support, but about mental health, you don't really talk about it. You think it's taboo, just shame and guilt and all these things. So as a queer person, I could say I'm normalizing it. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but most of the people who are coming out are going through these mental health struggles. I just want to spread the word that normalizing it, accepting your true self is what matters. That's the word I want to spread for the rest of my life. And all the best to you, Dakshima, for that. We're so grateful that you've shared this story with us because it's not easy to talk about. As South Asians, we all know the taboos behind this and the stigma that people like you face. I hope that we have many listeners who will actually take something back from this and maybe reach out to you through Dilipani or your Instagram account. Definitely. Thank you so much, Monica. I appreciate giving me the time to speak. I have a rapid fire round for you. Are you ready? Yes. Law or social work? Social work. What do you miss most about life in Sri Lanka? Food. What do you enjoy most about life in Calgary? Nice sunny days. Happiness to you means? Contentment. The most frustrating thing about being gay? Coming out again and again. Favorite role model? Oh, tough. I would say my father. Favorite cuisine? Indian, Sri Lankan. Your most memorable holiday? We went to UK. That was really nice. The most important quality for a stable gay relationship? Trust. Your favorite queer movie? Queer movie. I would say the queer TV program is Orange is New Black. Queer movie, I nothing comes to my mind. Right. Fair enough. Dakshima, it's been great speaking with you. On behalf of my colleague Medha Jai Shankar and me, I want to say thank you for your time. 
to all our listeners, you can follow this and other podcasts on our social media handle at Ake Woman Global on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you. Thank you, Monica and Meda. 